0: Hi, and welcome to Union Podcast. My name is Jamie Wolfer, and I'm a wedding planner who absolutely loves to share how I got started and scaled my business to above six figures in this amazing and occasionally extremely competitive industry. In this podcast, I share the tech, tactics, mindset, and mistakes that got me to where I am today. No gatekeeping, no cloak and dagger, just full disclosure and a little humor along the way. So whether you're a planner or a solopreneur, my goal is for you to be a better business person than I ever could have been and support you on this journey. Let's dive into this week's episode. Today's episode is one of my favorite things in the entire world, and that is a live Q and A from one of our Union Mastermind calls. I know you're going to love it. Take a listen. First question: Is it okay to use a personal bank account if I don't have the funds to open a business account, girlfriend? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't open a business account for a long time. In fact, full disclosure, I actually still have the college checking account that this business was attached to for several years. And it's like, I just haven't closed it down because there's still so many accounts that are attached to it that I wouldn't... It's like when you get a new debit card and then you have to like rework all of your automatic payment stuff. Yes, it is perfectly fine. If you do a personal account for now, there is no need to do a business account For quite a while, because you probably don't have enough funds coming in to justify some of the funds that they might take out or the charges that you could have associated with that. So take your time on that one, especially if you're a sole proprietor. I do stand by that. I do think you need to have a separate account. Think of it from an accounting perspective. You want to be very clean. There needs to be a delineation between what you're doing business-wise and what you're doing with home life. It can be hard when it's just you and you're like, I need the money. Yes, pay yourself out of that account. Don't feel like it has to all sit there, right? You figure you're making money. But at the same time, try to at least keep it separate, even if it's just two separate personal checking accounts. That part doesn't matter as much as having it as a separate entity. I am struggling to come up with a good business name. Woof. This one is so hard, so hard. What tips do you have on choosing one? Is there anything I should avoid? So there's, well, okay. There's probably lots of stuff that you should avoid. <laughs> but I will start off with tips on how to choose a business name. Um, we dive more in depth in this in the mastermind itself. So I might be repeating some of the things that we've said throughout there. So forgive me, it just makes you a really good student if I'm if I sound repetitive at all. Because then you've already been listening. In my opinion, I think that a business name is something that's easy to understand and easy to read. I think that sometimes it, we can get caught up in wanting to make it something cool or something that's in a different language or something that means something really substantial to us or, you know, the the adding an and in between two separate words like twig and vine, goat and cheese, you know, pizza and bread. There's Those are terrible examples for business names, though. Just FYI, in case you were wondering. That seems to be really in right now. And people still seem to really be resonating with those sorts of names. But it might be one of those things in like seven years where we look up and go, that doesn't feel as timeless. So it just depends. In addition to that, I personally would avoid if your goal... Okay, I'm going to reel that back for a sec. If your goal is to grow this business beyond yourself, if your goal is to build out a team of people if your goal is to have several other planners working alongside of you, name it something other than your name. Name it something other than your initials. If you're just getting started and I just got started and I was JW coordination for years. So there are a bunch of flaws that I saw in that specific name. One, my initials. Nobody cares. (laughs) Nobody cares. Two, coordination. It implied that we only did day of coordination, which is a total misnomer. I should not have called it coordination at all because then I had to explain to people, no, we do. Of course. Yeah, of course we do long-term planning. I legitimately can remember one distinct conversation where a groom goes, then why is your name coordination? And I went, well, I'm just kind of really batting from behind, aren't I? Like this is, this is not, I'm not setting myself up for success with that specifically. So try to avoid your initials and or your name, avoid coordination, If your intent is not to solely do coordination, that's not to say if you haven't, if you've already picked out a name in that category, I am, it's, I'm not trying to be a total hypocrite here. I did it. It didn't build out the way that I wanted it to. That name didn't serve us as we're now Wolfer & Co. I know. I hear it. Okay. I hear it. (laughs) So that's why I would definitely take all of my recommendations with a grain of salt because we have an and in the middle and we're joining two words together. So basically everything I told you to not do, I just, we've done. So if you can come up with something that conceptually encapsulates what you're trying to do, that really speaks to you, that's easy to read, easy to understand. I feel less focused on the actual business name itself, as long as you're not misleading people. If it feels confusing and they're like, "I, why does it say coordination? Or are you tossing on and events because you don't want to miss out on money? Do you really want to do and events? Do you want to do a five-year-old's birthday party? Do you want to do an engagement party? Do you want to do other sort of corporate type things or do you want to do weddings? Don't be afraid to pigeonhole yourself at all. But what's more important, in my opinion, is how readable is it? How legible is it? Is it easy to understand? Is it easy to type? Is it easy to remember? Is it easy to Google? And then what does your logo look like? Does your logo look good on a hat? Would it look good on like a piece of paper? Would it look good on a business card? Because as much as we want to get creative or gosh, there was, I I tried a stint reselling on Etsy because I'm really into antiques and stuff and it didn't, it didn't go for long. And it was, my name was Rare Rabble Rubbish. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna let you sit with that for a second. No one knows what rabble means, but I thought it was great because it had alliteration. So... (laughs) You can go through iterations of a name. You are not married to it for a really long time, no pun intended, if you do need to find yourself changing it. But ideally, we want to pick something that's timeless. People can understand short to search, easy to read. Those are more important details than selecting the perfect name. Because there is probably never going to be a perfect name. There's going to be one that resonates. and You're like, hey, that works. That clicks. That tracks. Right? Is that what the kids are saying? They say that tracks, right? <laughs> We interrupt this podcast because there is something extremely special that I want to share with you guys. Uh, I don't know about you, but for the last who knows how many years I've been using a Frankenstein Googled copied and pasted contract. And while that is extremely embarrassing to admit to all of our listeners, I know that there are people out there who feel the same as I do. And there were a couple things that kept me from actually getting an attorney drafted contract. Actually, no, there was one thing. It was so expensive and it seemed so out of reach. That's when I learned about Legally Set. You see, Coon B with Legally Set has created industry-specific contracts for people like you and me working in the wedding industry. They're easy to customize. They're drafted by an actual attorney and not Googled. Can you imagine that? And last but not least, they are so extremely affordable. So if you were like me and maybe using a less than pr- appropriate and or legal contract, it's time to step up your game. You have no more excuses. Head on over to the unionpodcast.com legally set to check them out. Use code union for 20% off your contracts. Do you want to make more money? Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I'm sorry to bait you like that. But did you know that you could double what you're making on a wedding? You see, if you sign up for a photo booth with Photobooth Supply Company, then you can bring your super sweet salsa booth to an event and get anywhere from 6 to $1,200 off of renting that bad boy out. You're already going to be there, so why not add a little change to line your pockets? Want to know more? Check out all of their options at theunionpodcast.com slash photobooth. Okay, next question. I want to bring on some help for the upcoming wedding season. What do you think works better? Paid help or unpaid? Do you think being an intern is a good idea? Also, where do I find people who want to work weddings with me part-time? Oh, okay. Well, if we're just going to cram seven heavy hitter questions into one question, then uh, let me see if I can break this down one by one. So you want to bring on help for that wedding season. First of all, good for you for trying to figure this out right now. Because obviously, as we're recording this, if you're listening to it later, we're recording this in December. We're getting ourselves prepared for the end of the year and for what this next season looks like. And wedding seasons, pretty much once we hit like March-ish, we're kind of off to the races. So getting this stuff in place now is very helpful and very important. So I don't think it's a matter of paid versus unpaid being better or more helpful it's the person if i went back in time and did it over again i probably wouldn't do it ever again because i learned enough to like so you guys can learn from my mistakes right so there's some benefit to it of course but i have had some killer free interns absolutely incredible thought through every detail were two steps ahead of me or would receive direction extremely well. And then I've had people that I've paid that I'm like, I am never hiring you again. So whether they're paid or not didn't define how well they did or how well they worked with me or how well they read my mind. That that had nothing to do with it. But once I found someone who I clicked with, who understood, I paid them as quickly as I could, as quickly as I could. In fact, I had a couple circumstances where I said, Hey, you know, we we require that people intern for a couple of events for free just to like test the waters, see how you're going to do. And those who were like, Absolutely, say less. I will be there. I'm like, Okay, they're hungry. I like this. That's great. I would have been changing, dabbling around with different systems. So I'm not saying that's required, but let's say they kill it and they knock it out of the park. I pay them anyways. I'm like, You know what? You far exceeded my expectations. I knew you'd be great at this, but you did an incredible job. Here's X amount. Thank you so much for being here today. And we'd love to have you come back. That's not an every time thing. I didn't do that with every single person who interned, but that is something I kind of kept in my back pocket in case someone was like, really killer. You want to pay the people you want to keep. It is really hard to keep a free intern around for an extended period of time because wedding planning, as you know, sounds so glamorous, right? You're like, I want to be a wedding planner. And then you get there and you're like, someone puked on the back patio. Like it's not. There are elements to this that are trying. They take a lot of time and they're exhausting. And they're not all walkie-talkies and high heels and fixing roses and an arrangement. It's it's there's a lot to it. So if you find someone who works really well with you, whom you click with that is where I would focus, making sure you pay that person effectively. Now, I do think being an intern, well, it depends. Asking for an intern or getting an intern is a great idea, but where I would kind of, because obviously I've mentioned them, we've had them before. How can you be an effective leader to give your intern the best chance of being the best assistant? Because getting an extra warm body just to, like Help you do stuff is great. But if you're wasting your time and not actually training them to help you, you're wasting your time. So if that means that you sit down and you kind of get a little bit more, you write down like what your business practices are, you write down what's important to you, you write down your dress code. What is inadvertently going to happen is it's really going to help you to firm up. Here's what's important. Here's our motto. Here's what we believe in. Here's how we handle the day from start to finish. That's what all of this looks like. That's great. And then you can almost use that as a training packet for like new interns. So, I I don't know if I'm even staying on track for the question. <laughs> Do I think I think getting interns is a fantastic idea, but it's up to you whether they're going to be good or not. Now, personalities aside, of course. You might find someone you're like, that's dud, I'm not doing that again. We still had those. Okay, we had we had dress codes and we still had those. You know, we had policies and we still had those. But you run a greater chance for success when you are more intentional about what this looks like. Also, where do we find people to work weddings with you part time? This is hard. I'm not going to lie to you. Finding someone who is willing to just work three weddings a year and like still maintain a day job. But it is hard to find the right sort of person to do this with you. And you will probably regardless of how great these people are, you're going to cycle through a, a few You're going to cycle through a few people that aren't going to work or work a few events with you and then don't work with you any longer. And that's normal. Uh, That's why I started with my mom because my mom is a homemaker and she's really good at running events. And I knew I could depend on her for basically anything during that season, but finding your right hand person is time consuming. So finding someone who might want to work part times, I don't think I ever, I think I did a call to action a couple times on social media to be like, hey, I've got an event coming up. If anyone wants to assist, I would love that. That's been a way that we found people. Facebook groups, lean into the mastermind group on the forums, I think is kind of where we're really loving to see more people get, get use out of. But we've had other people in the mastermind assist each other. And it's so, excuse me, it's so stupid cute. I can't take it. I can't take it. Like there was a couple of planners in the Pacific Northwest that were like helping each other out, like assisting each other on their first weddings. It was so cute. So that would be a place. Facebook groups would be a place. But for me, I actually literally had people come up to me at an expo with their resume. And I was like, whoa, I like that hustle. And work with me for six months to a year because they wanted to intern for a wedding planner and no one else was giving them a time of day. I mean, y'all are here for a reason. Like it's hard to get your foot into the industry. So if that means that you can work underneath someone and intern under someone, that could be a really good opportunity. For that, there are still people that we have, like, gosh, Marissa, her husband still assists her all the time, and she's from our very first cohort from f- however long ago. Super common to just like rope in the people that are around you, be like, "Hi, you love me, right? Do you mind if I ask you to prove it by coming to a wedding with me?" Thank you, thank you. It's it's going to be a little funny for a while and <laughs> a little interesting, and definitely will test your relationship. But hopefully, those will be good avenues for you. I have a couple who is focused on making their wedding sustainable. What are some things that you'd suggest they consider when it comes to all the things you buy for your wedding, like decorations, florals, attire, etc.? How can they be more earth and human friendly when purchasing for their wedding? There are so many things that like are super sustainable and just cheap. Like really, it's... Thrifting. Thrifting is reusing and repurposing items that, like, you don't have to buy brand new. You're not getting them shipped to you. You're not, I mean, you can't have that cookie cutter curated look right? And it requires a lot more effort. Thrifting is a huge way of doing that. Buying secondhand across the board is going to be one of the most successful ways to have a sustainable event. Cutting down on waste, making sure you have accurate catering numbers. There's still going to be catering leftovers. There's still going to be catering waste. What do we do with those? Do we have Tupperware ready to go? Like, Do we have compostable to-go containers for couples, friends, and family to take food with them? What does it look like? And because obviously, events are going to have trash. And unless they're composted properly, you may still have residue left over after the event. What do you do with it? Right. I had one couple who was really adamant on sustainability and are really adamant on having a very, as little waste as possible. So they rented plates and they rented flatware and they rented cups and they served all of their beer. In bottles and they had to recycle. So just little intentions. It almost feels like when you bust out the word sustainability for weddings, it's like, OK, well, everyone gets a tiny sliver of chicken on a plate made of hopes and dreams that will dissolve when wet right? like It's like, oh no, we have to make all of these huge drastic decisions, all these huge changes, but all of these tiny pivots are fantastic for stuff like that. But what's hard is letting go of that vision of, I want my centerpieces to all look like this, of I want things to look a certain way or feel a certain way, but there isn't a sustainable option for that. So it's more pivoting to Let's first run through what's more affordable, obviously not wasting money on food, but what are we doing with the leftovers? We just did a pod. I don't know if it's out yet. Rebecca has been working with her on florals. She has this whole concept of sustainability when it comes to florals that I was like, you shut your mouth when you're talking to me. Okay. It was so such an honest approach that felt uncomplicated. So I can't wait for that one to come out for you guys to hear. Those would be my recommendations. How do you go secondhand? What do you do? What's your plan of attack for the trash afterwards? How do you make sure that you're not over-ordering, that you're not over-purchasing? You don't need to get the paper that's made out of seeds for your invitations. Nobody plants those. Sorry, they don't. It's cute, but they forget. You don't need to get um, compostable plates. You can just get the reusable ones. A lot of these really tiny pivots and really tiny shifts can actually turn into a much more sustainable event. Order correct numbers buy secondhand and find a way to deal with leftovers. Any leftovers at all whatsoever. What does that look like? Kegs versus beer bottles. Obviously, beer bottles can continue to be consumed for a much more longer, much more longer. Good. Yep. Nailing it. Period of time. (laughs) Whereas a keg is more of like a one-time use. They can't think of any other big category. So hopefully that covers enough of what some of those sustainable choices look like. But it's honestly, the more you think about it and you kind of sit with it, you're like, oh, okay, well, how do we not have as much trash? Okay, we'll probably should rent plates. We should probably maybe serve in beer bottles. We should probably rent uh, wine glasses instead of using the disposable little plastic ones. I do find that some of the compostable or drink cupware options sometimes aren't super great. So that would require a little bit more finessing for that. Oh, okay. I just saw the word boundary. Okay. I have a bride with boundary issues, but I don't have a lot of experience yet. So I want to make sure she has a good experience with me and leaves me a good review. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) How can I politely tell her that calling and texting me weekly is not appropriate? I remind her what her actual contract with me states. Monthly meetings only without making her mad. There is a lot to unpack here. Okay. First of all, good job recognizing that your bride has boundary issues. Second of all, the main focus is not... Okay. I would remove the concern of a bad review. This this is not on the radar yet. You you get worried about a bad review when an event goes terribly. Right now, you set up better boundaries. Because right now, she's not respecting yours. If you've already stated them, state them again. State them better. State them with more clarity. She may have boundary issues. She may have bad listening skills. That's what I'm hearing right now. She's got bad listening skills. You have bad communication skills. I shouldn't say bad. That's, that's a little rough. You need to be more effective at communicating those boundaries. If she steps over the line, go, hey, uh, just FYI, that's fine. I totally understand. I know you're excited. What I would do in a situation like this, the politely telling her is I would say, Hey, it seems to me like you, you have probably a lot more questions than we could sustain in our current monthly meeting timeframe, like setup, Would you like to add on additional meetings for X amount? And typically what you'll find is the the couple will be like, oh, no, no, we don't want to do that. Okay, well, then if we could limit our contact to those monthly meetings so I can be as effective with you as I, you know, as I can be. That would be fantastic. I know it's really hard. And sometimes if you have little questions, feel free to email me those. It might just take me a couple of days to get back to you. And I will say, I actually have a bride right now who is insistent on sending me voice memos. And I cannot tell you how much I cannot stand it because I'm like, okay, hey, just FYI, if you send it to me in a voice memo, I can't guarantee I'm going to remember it. I need a paper trail. I need it in my inbox. I don't like texting doesn't work for me. Like I need it over here. And she'll continue to send voice memos. And freaking, I found one and I can't believe I'm confessing this to you guys. Two and a half weeks later. And I was like, oh, I guess I didn't listen to this one out of four. It just was like, I had to continue to reiterate hey, in order to be super effective at this, like I get the voice memos work for you. I don't want to come out looking like a total buffoon. I really need you to email me. Like if you could send this to me in an email. And that means if I get a voice memo, oh my goodness, that sounds great. Thank you so much. Could you do me a favor? Could you email this to me? If that means self-deprecation, if that means like I will 100% not remember this, could you jot this down and send an email? replying consistently. Could you jot this down and send it an email? Hey, this is a lot to read via text. Super excited for you. Thanks for sending me these little snippety tidbits. Could you do me a favor and resend this in the email to make it a lot easier for me to search and like keep track of everything? And if those continued little tiny redirects are not working, then you can have that sit down conversation of, hey, it feels like you might need more than what our current package allows for. Would you like to add on meetings? Would you like to pay an additional X amount? Or... Hey, I feel like I can't quite come up with a phrasing off the top of my head, but something along the lines of like, feel like I made myself really clear. Do we need to go over the best communication practices again? For me, for you, how do we keep this effective and like make sure I'm hearing everything you need to send my direction without making sure I miss anything? And so would it feel better to go over that again? Because I know we talked about in the beginning, but it seems like we're not tracking with some of those. So are you okay if we go over that one more time? It will take a little bit of finessing to make it not sound patronizing and to make it not sound passive aggressive. Hi, you're not showing good listening skills. So I'm going to need to sit you down on the listening rug and we're going to have a little chitty chatty things. It's that's hard, right? It's That's a difficult thing to do. But right now what I'm hearing is this bride is not a good listener and you need to be a better communicator. So tiny redirects and then a big like come to Jesus. Should we review this? Some people have no problem being blunt and being like, hey, I'm getting a lot of text messages from you. I get that you're really excited please continue to communicate with me via email. And we can discuss these in the meetings as per our package. But usually what I find when someone is this excited, they have a very hard time stopping. They have a very hard time breaking that habit. Voice memo girl is still voice memo girl. She just, she's going to keep sending them, even though I've been like, Hey, this is not going to. Okay. And so basically I've, I've now teased her to the point where I'm like, not tease her to the point. I shouldn't say that, but I've been like, if you send it to me a voice memo, don't, don't guarantee that I'm going to remember it. Okay. Just if you want me to remember it, please send it via email. So she'll just send me little updates. Now it's a habit. It's how she communicates with her friends. It's how she communicates with her family. It's hard to break. So if that feels like a boundary that you do not want crossed anymore and you're like, I'm done, I don't want to do this anymore. That needs to be what you communicate. That was a lot. Did that help? That's all we have for this week's episode, guys. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor, screenshot that episode and share it on socials. Tag me in it. I would love to see Wolfer and Co. on Instagram. Let me know if you're enjoying it. You can also let me know if you didn't enjoy it, but I'm probably not going to reshare that one. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode and we'll see you in the next one.